I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. The podcast from two brothers who watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. And on this week's episode, we also are going to sleep. Because movies these days are just too long. And we can't stay up for that. Because we're old men, and we're tired, and we have young kids in the house. So, as a service to you, our listener, we are doing some curation work and bringing you our respective top five movies under 90 minutes. We love a tight 90-minute movie, something short, something effective. It's one of our favorite things. A 90-minute movie in 2022. Can it be done? Listen and find out. Yeah. I don't know. Let's find out. And and our promise to you is that this episode will also be less than 90 minutes. Now let's cut to our conversation already in progress. Let's jump in, sleepyheads. So you've got your Paramount Plus, your Netflix, yeah. your Hulu, yeah. your yeah. HBO Max, oh, your yeah. Criterion if you're listening to this oh, podcast. Yeah. You've got your what Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Yeah, you've got your, your Disney Plus. You got your Peacock. Yeah, Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, got your canopy if you got a library <laughs> card there. You got Shutter in October with a new email free trial. <laughs> you got YouTube TV when NBA playoffs comes around again with a new email, maybe a new debit card because they no, they they caught on. Together. They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. YouTube. YouTube is, 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 is uh, they're smarter than the rest. And you say to yourself, what is there to watch? And I say to you, nothing. <laughs> Truly nothing. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. That's what it is. That's the state of things. Okay. Can I tell you something I do? It may be 10 a.m., it may be 2 in the afternoon, and I think to myself, tonight I'm going to watch a movie. That means I better start thinking now about what that movie is going to be. I picture you uh, with, like, four <laughs> monitors. like, like it's a, Open up to all the different streaming services. Yeah. <laughs> Connecting the red dots <laughs> doing research. Or the, the red yarn from one monitor to another. For some reason, you're not using the monitors properly. <laughs> like, what if I start it then? If I find that there, if I add the... If I add the Showtime add-on to Amazon Prime again, because they're giving me another free trial of that, maybe, just maybe. Oh, and the movie was that's okay. That's what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> that is what it feels like. I should have just restarted <sighs> Veep like we did. Oh man, I'm trying to I'm trying to convince Megan. We're 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 close because we tried to watch it a year ago, but Enoch was awake and would sit by the by his bedroom and he could hear everything and it's pretty inappropriate language veep uh, is for people for fans of parks and rec that have been hardened by this cruel world we live in yes so yeah i i've been uh i've been watching a lot of seinfeld so that's what i have on the background as we speak oh yeah i've so, got one of my 90 minute picks on anyways <laughs> So you revealed the episode title. Yes, I guess so. So we say all this in jest, of course, but also not at all. Oh, and I'll tell you, as I'm browsing through the streaming services, and I see a movie that, oh, I've been interested in seeing this for a couple of years. And browsing. I, I mean, cl- browsing. What? I was quoting Chris's vacation when he's at the <laughs> checkout counter. <laughs> <laughs> you said browsing, that immediately popped in my head. 
God Don't rest her soul. Movie. Oh, I'm so sorry. She's dead? No. Oh, no. Just divorced. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> I see a movie on a streaming service, and I think, oh, I've been interested in seeing this for a couple of years. And then I click on it, and you know what the biggest turnoff is? <laughs> Tell me. If that movie is basically over 115 minutes, I'm like, yeah, never mind. Yeah, I just no. don't have it in me. <laughs> I'm looking for a movie, okay? Not not an experience. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy, a new movie to watch. I've been waiting to see this. <laughs> Three hours. That's two hours and three. Two hours and th- no, no, no. Can we track? I'm this? at the point if it's if it's over two, I'm out. You know, I feel like you have the tools on your end to do some some major movie analysis here. <laughs> for you start googling, you're like, yes, the trend rates have shown. <laughs> but a three hour movie, which is <sighs> which? Okay, I, we have heard this from many uh, people in the in the <laughs> hey Twitter world. Damn, just references tonight you know jay simpson on twitter right now <laughs> with all his videos hey twitter world who is that oj simpson <laughs> it's crazy it's crazy hey, hey film bros <laughs> so twitter world film bro twitter world at least the discourse is three-hour movies they're, I mean, in, in, in the age of Netflix giving so-and-so director whatever they need to make their vision come true with no studio notes to cut things down, it, it feels like three-hour movies are the new norm. I would also say, along with long running times, my other biggest turnoff if I see something, a mo- something about a movie on a streamer is if it has a Netflix logo on it. <laughs> I will not be watching that. It's on Netflix? Please. <laughs> I'll wait no, no. until it's on that, Hulu. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait until this Netflix original is playing yeah. on a different... The Netflix logo means that it's a Netflix original. I am out. Yeah. It's a tough It's a tough uh, branding. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> it's almost like a gift when you see not an N oh, yeah. on a product yeah. in Netflix. You're like, ooh, and, and maybe something is, interesting. The thing is, that's the stuff that trends right now. Is like theatrical releases from 2005 is in the top 10 streaming movies on Netflix this week. For for what reason I don't know, other than the like fact that people like <laughs> people like movies that were made to be movies. You've got males on, guys. <laughs> That's what it feels like. You log on to Netflix. It's You've Got Mail, Selling Sunset. It's the time of the life. <laughs> I'm ready for the action now. You've got Selling Sunset. You've got, what, Power of the Dog that no one watches, and that's only in my algorithm. I know, and I also can't judge because I, I don't know what's being fed to me because of the algorithm. But anyways, it's when I'm just, looking. It's just so gross. Is this not so, all this so gross? How they feed this to us. I know. And and you know how at Netflix in particular, you and I would see different thumbnail images for the films. Right. 
right. based on who, based on our interests. Like this, it's guy, the same movies. You know what? Give him the silhouette, black boy. <laughs> yeah, that's the one he's gonna like. <laughs> it's the same movies. That's how. That's that's. It, 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 to me, it's so so gross. So we're gross. just sitting there, plopped in front of the TV with our gaping mouths on the conveyor belt, I know. like a I Love Lucy episode. That's how I feel on Instagram as well, because Instagram is doing this new thing where it's like. 90% of the content is suggested reels. Yes. Like, Ugh. hey, you know what? You watched a, a chef, like, cut into vegetables once. You, you like weird knife videos. So it'll be two suggested reels, <laughs> a sponsored ad, another sponsored ad, and then, like, a post from a company that I follow, and <laughs> no. then it resets. <laughs> I know. And then, like, two it's days terrible. later, maybe a friend will post a story that I'll see. I know. It's terrible. And I just hop on the app and I exit back out and I say, how dare you? How dare so, you think that I'm just going to sit there and let you do this to me? Part of what we're saying is that the algorithms have ruined us and that we long for the days of more curated content, would you say? Uh, the feeling I'm having right now, and this is on YouTube as well, is I am playing the slot machine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of these of these apps and I'm winning a lot less. Yes. Yes. Seeing a lot less double cherries, a lot less triple sevens. And I'm sick of it. You know, uh, a trend that I have noticed in my own watching habit over the last maybe month or two <clears throat> is I'm particularly drawn to, like, just kind of solid, solid, like, mid-movies of the late 90s and 2000s. <laughs> Yeah, if it's got if it's got an ugly poster, you're watching it. Oh yeah, ugly posters, but just but just kind of like, oh yeah, this this movie did okay. I remember it from when I was thirteen. Yeah. and it's not I trying to change the world. No, 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 and that stuff is like oddly comforting to me. And I assume you watched the James Gray clip that was going around on Twitter. Oh yeah. Um, do you want to summarize that? Yeah, you would do a much better job at that. Basically, so he's a director of, he directed um, a movie that was playing at Cannes this this week. I, it was playing at Cannes, right? Um, yeah. Armageddon Time? Yeah. Um, but he also directed um, Ad Astra, the Brad Pitt um, movie from a mm. couple of years ago. Did you like that movie? I didn't see it. It's on my watch list. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot. Great director. Um, love his stuff but he was interviewed recently and was talking about the kind of the the the, the panic around the industry and that you know that the the movie experience and the theatrical experience in particular dying and and his criticism was not that comic movies comic book movies are inherently bad but that what has disappeared is this middle kind of middle of the road movie that was meant to appeal to our broader base and um and was not setting out to make a billion dollars, right? right? Right, And And his point was that movie studios have gotten into this habit of this movie made a billion dollars, so we're going to just continue to make movies like this, and the movies that aren't doing that, we're not going to make them anymore. Right. But what they lost sight of was the fact that those, those kind of mid-range movies were – bringing a level of uh, breadth to movie-going culture, a level of diversity in some ways, diversity in kind of just the, the in genre, in style, in size, in scope. 
and and it really many more interests the, were represented exactly and so it, you know 20 years ago 30 years ago going to the movies was a was a more essential part of engaging in culture because there were a lot more options um now, see, the, the ironic thing is like TV is like where our options are now, but it's become so disparate and so many things. Right, um, right. And, you know, part of his point, too, is like you, you can take a loss on an art on an art house movie because it props up the theatrical the theatrical experience. Right. And and and, and there is service. this. Yeah, and 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 he's he's making the point of like studios should be about these movies not because they have artistic integrity, but because, um, but because having a diverse field of offerings actually does encourage the the business and the industry. Net positive for the business. Yes, it's a net positive, even if a if a, even if a singular movie is a loss, um, and and that's like how so many of these like indie indie art house. Um, uh, studios operate right now is a lot of them they are willing to fund these directors with unique smaller visions and knowing that like a lot of these movies are not going to make their money back right Right. I think of like A Hidden Life the Terrence Malick movie right Right. that's like great for Fox Searchlight like they're happy to have a Terrence Malick movie it's not going to make a lot of money right (laughs) but they value that they value that work and they, they, they looked at that and said, this is important that this is something that we are able to offer. And I just right. think things like that, or and, and that's a bad example, I think, because it's such an art house movie. But, um, you know, stuff stuff that is just a little more, you know, middle of the road. It, yeah. They just don't want to gamble on that stuff. Right. And I don't know if that clip that's going around with him speaking on this is in direct reference to this but i've also seen a lot of like youtube movie people that i follow have all made videos about that screenshot of the amc times for dr strange oh yeah dr strange famous enemy of this podcast (laughs) Uh, i'll say me but i I don't know how many people saw it but it was just the time slots for this movie at a certain theater and it was every five minutes there was a showing and it was i mean there's probably 30 screens at this theater it basically, there was no room for any other movie to exist in the theater. No. no. And so that yeah, the whole idea of these Marvel IPs pushing out even the potential for other things to be shown in the same building is like yeah. becoming more visceral, more real. Yeah. And frankly, more of a bummer. And I don't know how you make a change because Doctor Strange has made a stupid amount of money. Um, uh, I, you know... We, we should have a, uh, like, major Marvel head write in or come on as a guest because I fell off this train freshman year of college. And yeah. that was 10 years ago. More than 10 yeah. years ago. No, yeah, current, no current, it was current, exactly I just 10 years say, ago. Current worldwide gross for Doctor Strange is $800 million, So, go on. Yeah, so, like I said, I fell off this Marvel train 10 years ago. And that was right when it was revving up. Yeah. Right? That yep. was in oh, the yeah. thick. That was first of, Avengers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And like, okay, th- this especially is the time. Like, I get now when it's been that long, and how can you possibly keep up is how I feel. But I felt that back then. I Like, I have, there, there was like 10 movies to make sure you've seen instead of 40. 
Oh, well, and it's not, now it's even worse because it's all the TV shows. Because there was a right, right. There was a spring Marvel show, this Moon Knight thing, with Oscar Isaac as the lead and Ethan Hawke as as the second lead. And I'm like, those are two actors that get me to watch a movie. Right. Like, totally. I love their work, and I don't know what could get me to watch Moon Knight. I'm going to be honest. I, right. I haven't I haven't watched oh. a second of it, and I am I completely uninterested. It. <laughs> they said something, something, TV show, Marvel character. I'm like, bye. Yeah. yeah. And, I'm out. And to be fair, and, I don't start any new shows ever. So yes, whatever. But and and I and I would say I'm someone who's engaged a lot more with this material. I've seen all of the Marvel movies except for Doctor Strange, and I've seen all the TV shows except for Moon Knight. The new Doctor Strange or the first one? The new one. The new okay. one. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm basically caught up. I, I've seen it all, um, and I I like Avengers Endgame. Um, I think yeah. it was a, that was an incredible achievement. Movie of, and, and there's awesome stuff in there at the same time did you see the the, the, the kind of trending tre- thread this week of the still image shot from avengers infinity war of thor standing next to thanos in this like forest oh yeah and and just kind of the, that it was illustrative of very boring cinematography very <laughs> very right. kind of thought thoughtless and and not that every movie needs to have the most interesting cinematography i'm i have a movie on right now in the background that is not the most interestingly shot movie, but it's, it's so thoughtless. And so everything is so flattened out and yeah. it's, it's one of my big criticisms of like movies in general right now that nothing feels real. Oh my God. So our second yeah. kid's about to be born any day. And Sarah wanted to watch you've got mail again, <laughs> which is like, uh, that that is her movie. ultimate comfort rewatch forever movie, and I'm watching. I'm like, you know what? This movie looks banging. This movie looks oh, yeah. so oh, good. Yeah. And now, and then there was another one she was watching recently, similar. Oh no, no, no. we watched uh, Albert Brooks movies, mm-hmm. Missing in America, mm-hmm. Mom. Did, and did you watch uh, Broadcast News? No, not yet. I need I to. watch. I just watched it. It's so Th- good. That and. Um, uh, modern romance are the two yeah. that I'm eyeing for him, yeah. but I was looking at these movies. I'm like, these look so. There's no reason these had to go this hard. I'm like, no living room or apartment looks better than they do in '90s movies. I know they get know. the lamps right. But, they get the lamps right. <laughs> but but you, you, you hop on Netflix, oh. and, and it's it, to to your point, the flatness. The the sheen the the lack of life and maybe like obviously the '90s stuff is shot on film but I can't imagine that's the only reason this it's, feels like it's not film. that it's 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 like I can tell not because I have such a trained eye but because it doesn't feel right I can tell like oh this I we watched the Lost City the Sandra Bullock Channing Tatum movie mm-hmm. and it's fine some of it must have been filmed on location but like. Most of that movie, I'm like, oh, yeah. just in a green screen, in front of a green screen, I can see where they put their all their lighting rig behind the camera. I can tell where the light's coming from and how none of it's natural. There's it's, a I mean, lifelessness. That's, that's bad cinematography because, I mean, it, yeah. if I can tell that nothing is natural about a lighting sequence in the middle of the day outside, 
you're not doing it right. Okay. Um, okay. And that, and, and I recently, I think it was like last year, I had watched Romancing the Stone, which The Lost City is kind of a modern take on Romancing the Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar. They're, they're, both the lead, the female leads are romance novelists. But like Romancing the Stone is like probably all filmed on location in Mexico or somewhere. It looks dirty and grimy because they took this like young ingenue and put her in the middle of the jungle with um, with Michael Douglas, and the movie looks great, even oh, yeah. though it's thir- thirty plus. The letterbox years old. banner alone. Yeah, and I thought The Lost City was fine, and you know it doesn't need to look like the realest movie in the world. But I'm just like, we're losing. Isn't something. it? But isn't it like kind of fun to send Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum to Mexico to film a movie like? Right. Why? Why couldn't we have just done that? Like, I don't know what what they're spending the money on. Um, yeah, it's movies look more like video games now. Yeah. Did you see? I I guess because the Halo TV series I guess has a has a moment in the final in the finale where it switches to first person um, perspective. Oh gosh. And I and I looked at it and I'm like I'm just watching a video game. There's nothing interesting about this. Is I'm such watching a the bad part of choice. the video games that I tried to press every button to. <laughs> click away from i know i know um and we watched death on the nile the new death on the nile this week um and it was kind of more the same yeah i just like i don't know if sarah watched that or did you watch murder on the orient express yeah she no she watched on hbo max and i yeah i I didn't watch it i just saw my laptop doing work like but i'd look up and just think this technically looks supposed to look good but it looks bad yeah. to my eyes i do not yeah, like this yeah I'm, I'm trying to figure out what that is because i i agree with you definitely is an example of like yeah te- uh, technically speaking it looks pretty good and like really great sets honestly of like all the interiors of the queen of the nile are really interesting like ornate sets yeah because i'm not against something looking like it's on a stage right because i'll go watch a movie from the 40s and it's obviously not Right. filmed on location or whatever I'm like I'm like oh that's awesome but there's some there's a flatness to it um, and, and uh, another one that I watched last year was this old Humphrey Bogart movie uh, the the African Queen and it's again like dirty and grimy this is a movie from from 1951 with Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn and it and and they never look good in the movie like right, right? I mean these are two of the like iconic movie stars they never look good but it's like very clearly filmed on location in boats, and and it looks so great. Yeah, it's definitely as a the, as a film. It's like I watch anything pre two uh, thousands, and I'm just like, wow, this looks great. Even yeah. if the cinematography isn't especially uh, interesting. Let's yeah, see, all, I... all that to say, someone come on the show. Help, help me, help me, help you not feel annoyed at me for constantly you know talking bad about yeah th- these marvel cinemas and uh so that's where we're at and i know we touched on it but the three out the runtime is has become a, a plague i mean I, I i don't i mean there's always been long movies right right but, um so it's so it's not just like long movies are bad right i mean some of my favorite movies are very long <laughs> No, you know, my memories of longer movies are Lord of the Rings, Braveheart. Yes. 
Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think Braveheart but, but was the they, first like they, that required two VHSs. Oh, yeah. or Titanic. maybe Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. Was that. But uh, you know, when Lord of the Rings is hit, hitting that three hours, is like, whoa, that's a long movie. But you know what? It so deserves it. You know, and it was it, a, it, yes. it was such a rarity, and now it feels like yeah. the norm. I think that's the difference. Or to approaching me, the there's norm. a there's a scale issue here, right? Like Lord of the Rings. The story I, mean, I remember it. the first time I saw Fellowship. I did not realize it was a trilogy, and I'm like, boy, this thing is long. And then yeah, it they ended still have a, a lot to wrap up. Here. I'm nice. like, they they are just getting the fellowship together. They've still got a lot to do, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and that movie just like, kept wait. going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but but there's a there's a scale to it where it kind of deserves that. And I think right. now what we're seeing is a lot of movies that are maybe less deserving of that scale still right. pushing run times up to three hours right and you know again not blanket statement because there are plenty of great directors that i mean like uh, for whom i would watch long movies i think about once upon a time in hollywood is a pretty long movie but i i would go for the three and a half hour cut of that totally uh, and you know if it's not three hours it's it's approaching so yeah, so we so we've had the Batman, Nightmare Alley, Dune, Last Duel. We've had a lot of big movies that are really pushing people's attention span. Not not that they yes don't totally hold that, but I've I've heard a lot of talk in the movie discourse of like, man, these runtimes are killing me, especially when you just at the end of the day want to put something on. That's what we're missing. Thank you. I for me that's that summarizes it so well of just the. I just want to put on a movie and not be signing up for a three-hour commitment. That's why we've watched You've Got Mail four times <laughs> in the past calendar year. Because for me, for me, just, I mean, and part of the reason we're having this conversation, I think maybe the part of the reason we're feeling it is we both have young children. And we've had a, we've had a baby, a, a newborn in the house. She's, she just turned three months. Uh, we've had her since she was born. You have one on the way that's imminently arriving um sarah could be in labor right now yeah it could be the start right now so there's like that tiredness of like young parenting and all of that and i'm just like look if the movie's two hours i'm not gonna watch it in one sitting it's gonna be broken up over two nights drive my car i'm just Mm -hmm. sorry i'm just remembering kind of i mean yeah like west side story west side story was super long yeah um and 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 like a lot of those were good, but I also watched a lot of those in two sittings, and, mm-hmm. and that was fine. But and, because to to me, this is the weird the weirdness of it is as we've moved away from the theatrical theatrical experience, and we so many of these movies I saw for the first time on a streaming service, but I couldn't commit to the whole runtime. Right. But if I was gonna go see it in a theater, that's what I'd have to do. And You're there. And I'm there, yeah. Uh, I can't pause it, whatever. And it's that it's that thing of like for home viewing. I just think it's really hard. And and I think TV has done this to a lot, uh, to some degree, right? There's that that so often repeated thing from actors and, and creators in the TV world of like our season is really just one long movie spread out over ten episodes. And I'm like, that's a bad movie. Like, right? I, I'm not. Uh, who wants a ten hour movie? That's right. that's like that's not interesting to me um and so we've we've been trained to it is almost like oh i can divide this into segments and the, yeah and the segmentation doesn't matter 
you know how we mentioned in our top 10 of 2021 that a, a ongoing trend was movie makers breaking up their movies into chapters yeah to make them more palatable while you're there that has only continued this year yes yes absolutely everything everywhere all at once was was doing that the northman was doing that Mm -hmm. i feel like there was one more that i saw that was like oh yeah they're they just keep needing people to have that little markers of progress yeah yeah it, it is such a weird, weird trend right now. And all that to say, we wanted to do some of the curating work. And we have each brought, now we're 30 minutes and change into this conversation. We've brought each five movies that we love that are 90-ish minutes or less. Is that right? Yes. The goal was Here's 90 our, minutes. We might fudge that, give or take a minute. So give skip or the take credits. a credit. Yeah, yeah, skip, skip the, the credits. credits. We're still we're still under ninety minutes for these bad boys. How do you want to do this? We're not going to do too much of a deep dive on each movie. No, uh, we do, simply do not have the time, and you don't either. And that's why we're recommending short movies because who has the time? Yes. But I think if we just ping pong back and forth until we get all ten out there, we just want to okay. give you guys a nice healthy list of just just put it on at the end of the day and it's a really great movie experience and it's palatable um i i know this is the sort of list that i would love someone to send me oh yeah so yeah and i think partly the goal like i think both of us have a couple like yeah obviously on here Mm -hmm. and then hopefully some of us have or hopefully we both have some like sleeper hits that maybe you've never heard of or uh haven't considered putting on until now and i tried to give a little bit of a range in in diversity of my movies um and i got some honorable mentions as well also i didn't pick any children's movies those usually have shorter run times except pixar has been pretty notorious lately for some long ones but yeah uh, pixar man yeah i i I have one supposed children's movie but i know which one (laughs) we all do let's be honest but how about you kick us off model for us how how to uh, present these yeah, I will start with um, uh, the most recent movie on my list and a movie that we have covered on this podcast. And I think the longest movie on my list at 94 minutes, You're 2017s. I know, I am, but it's so good. It's so good. It's Lady Bird. Uh, and, and this, to me, I love the example of Lady Bird as that 90-minute uh, great quick movie because I think the ground that they cover narratively in 90 minutes is pretty astounding hmm. when you compare this to so many other movies that Truly. are twice as long. Truly. That, that, that shocks me that that movie is that short. I, it, right. That, that is exactly how I feel. I'm like, gosh, I, I, I kind of thought it was close to two hours, but I was absolutely surprised to see it was only 94 minutes. It has such a much greater effect in my mind. There's such an emotionality packed into that that you yeah. assume it's a much longer journey. Yeah, yeah. Expertly paced. The 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 screenplay by Greta Gerwig is incredible. I love Lady Bird. We're big fans. But everybody knows that. Yeah, that is a Hall of Fame movie for this pod. Um, nice. Well, keeping with that that uh, energy, I'm gonna hit you with the Francis Ha pick. Oh, we both right. have Greta Gerwig's on Greta our, is on. Uh, oh, no. That's great. She's making appearances. 
So Francis Ha, directed by Daniel yeah. Baumbach, who yeah. is a healthy supplier of the 90-minute yes. movie. Francis Ha starring Greta Gerwig. And she helped write the screenplay. And I think she helped, yeah, she helped write this yeah. with Noah. She's, she's, a, she's a writer, right? And it it is his Annie Hall, or not Annie Hall, it is his uh, Manhattan. Because yeah. it t- takes place in New York, black and white. Yeah. It's just a, it's a bit of a hangout movie, but mm-hmm. she's an aspiring dancer, and she's kind of experiencing the in-between life stage of like 20s to 30s. Of like, hey, mm-hmm. we're still just young, crazy college kids. To like, oh, life is hitting us hard. Yeah, and she's feeling the relational transitions in that season yeah. of like her closest friend and yeah, and that kind of that that season. And so it's super funny. Greta is just one of the most charming people to ever be on a screen. No young Adam Driver. Super, young Adam Driver. Just he's been in so many movies. It's insane. I know. Um, and a big Sacramento presence in that one as well. Yes, yeah. Right, she goes home to Sacramento. I think so, because yeah, I remember being it, like, "Oh yeah, she snuck that in here." Yeah, yeah, it's but great. It, it's it's so good, and it was such a delight when we first watched it because I I just had heard the name and saw Greta Gerwig. I'm like, "Oh, we gotta watch this," and it was yeah. just such a good movie. That yeah, I uh, love Francis Ha. Like when it first came out, I had no idea, I had no sense of it. You know? Yeah, that's that's my first pick. Great. Uh, my next one, I I guess I'll probably work backwards chronologically on mine mine is um from 2013 this is one of my all-time favorite directors okay and uh i walked into this basically only knowing this was an alfonso Cuaron movie okay and i I, it was like at a season i was at megan and i just gotten married and so i was very out of what was happening in movies Mm -hmm. and i thought Alfonso Cuarón directed a movie and it's in space and Sandra Bullock and George Clooney are in it. Sounds fun. We went and saw it. It's gravity. And it blew me away the first time I saw it. Gravity was a big movie moment for the, it for was. the time. Yes. I feel like he, it was that like, like haymaker that people weren't expecting. It, that was how I felt was uh, there was no real buzz around it. Cause it came out a little early in the season. Um, but anyways, it, it blew me oh, away. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, we should, I know we did that for the first movie at 94 minutes, but I want to hit each minute time for each movie. So I forgot to say, oh, okay. yeah, Francis yeah. Hall coming in at 86 minutes. Yeah. Oh, 86. 86. Yeah. Oh. So, so Gravity's 91. This movie it won seven Academy Awards. This was like the Fury Road of its year. Um, but it won Best Director. So this is Alfonso Cuaron's first Best, wow. Direct, Best Director Oscar. And it is, uh, to, to me, it's an incredible achievement uh, of, of special effect filmmaking and, and a lot of the technology that he developed, but the emotional arc of this single character in 90 minutes. Um, and, and it's one of those things of it's such a brilliant premise, but to stretch this out over two, two and a half hours, it, it would just be such a slog. Too much. And that's that's the brilliance of Quran in this movie. And he wrote this, I think, with his son. Um, the screenplay is to keep this such a tight 90 minutes. You're in and out. And it, I think it has such a greater impact on you as you're watching it. Um, because I, it's one of my favorite movies the last decade. I love, love, love Gravity. And it's only 91 minutes. Yeah. The thriller sensibility 
yeah. would be exhausting if they try to do that for longer than what it is. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, okay, my next yeah. one, another one of my favorite directors, and I think one of yours as well. I'm going for vintage Kubrick, vintage oh. Stanley Kubrick. Oh, with I know where you're going. The Killing, 1956. Oh. Would you recommend it to me? Yes. So here, you speak on it a little bit. You, I you just, just kind of because you, you just on a random episode of this podcast said go check this movie out. Yeah, I I watched this kind of on a lark, and and I'll tell you what the reason I I clicked on this one because it was Kubrick, but also. It was under 90 minutes. It is 85 like, minutes for Kubrick, like, oh. too, which is like, really? He's got two of those, Paths of Glory as well, which I think is yeah. his first, maybe? His first kind of big. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, the, the Killing is a heist movie from 1956, black and white, and it's totally the Turner classic movie Sensibility, which means Sarah like is our lifeblood. And it, it's such a pure thriller and yeah. lots of twists and turns, but there's that steady, confident, dark, ominous hand of Kubrick guiding the whole thing. And so it hits just a little bit different than other like heist or detective movies of that era. Well, and, and to me, this one, it, it, it's, it's from 1956, but it feels so fresh <sighs> because there's a direct line between the killing and... Michael Mann's Heat mm. and The Killing and Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. I was right? just going to say it reminds me of Nolan a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I can't even say why. It's it's early Nolan, but I mean specifically the, the Joker masks that the Joker's henchmen use. Yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's, it actually is the same mask. It's literally a reference to it. Like yes. he references, yeah, he, Nolan references The Killing in that opening scene of The Dark Knight. Yeah, 100%. Um, but but in terms of its sensibility of heist movie, and I mean, you can draw a line between this and like Ocean's Eleven, right? Even mm-hmm. even the most kind of poppy popcorn entertainment version of this, um, I think so much of it starts here in the killing, and and it's so good. And eighty five minutes in and out, love it. Go watch it. And I wish I knew where all these movies were streaming too, but y'all can do some googling. Yeah, you all can figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> we're not here for everything. <laughs> everything to everyone all right what you got all right we're going back uh, a little bit further to 2004 this is um a sequel on my list one of the all-time great sequels uh this is richard linklater's before sunset mm. with julie delpy and ethan hawk the- you know what we need to do this summer we need to do a before trilogy episode i would totally do that that would be fun I'm kind of sick of doing these. Like, let's let's make sure to do all these new movies I coming know. out. I'm tired of. This. I would to- I would totally do the before trilogy. It's, it's a only... it's a perfect summer trilogy too. You know, it's very summery oh, movies. Oh yeah, it's the only of the three that fits the bill under ninety minutes. And actually, this is the shortest one on my list. This is an eighty minute movie, and it is so perfect. But, right. The, so the, the 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 premise. If you've never if you've ever seen these movies, you're not familiar. Before Sunrise is the first one. Uh, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy they meet on a train in Europe and they have this immediate connection and then he finds out that she's getting on a flight and leaving um, basically first thing in the morning and they have this one night together and that the, you know the, it's it's basically the, the whole movie takes place over one night and he, they get on she gets on a train and 
that's the end of the movie and you, you don't know they're supposed they make a plan to meet and you don't know what's going to happen and 10 years later whatever it was they made the sequel and the way that Linklater gets them together again is so perfect and, and he famously likes playing with time yes he does yes absolutely director of uh, boyhood and kind of these interesting film experiments with time well, and right now he is slowly filming Merrily We Roll Along, uh, the Sondheim, but like in reverse chronological order because oh, that, yeah, it's, it, there's some weird stuff with time. They're, they're filming it over the course of like 20 or 25 years or something. <laughs> Insane. He's got like seven <laughs> movies <laughs> yeah. that'll maybe come out. <laughs> um, and the way he gets them back together and then just like draws this out of like, the whole movie then is this conversation about regret and and we hey we didn't were you gonna be there at, at the time that we said neither of us were gonna be there like it's so perfect and the chemistry of these actors and i just i love it i love living in this world for even just 80 minutes and it's kind of the sleeper hit of the trilogy yeah yes yes you know I, it, like it, it's like a reprieve in the middle of like oh let's just check in real quick you know mm-hmm. and like the real yeah. emotional intensity i feel come in the the first and the third but the middle one has such an interesting check-in time yeah you know and it's an all-time ending oh yeah love the end i love the the final moments of this movie the before trilogy is so underrated ah man but uh that is a perfect segue into my next one um i'm actually doing a double feature here okay uh Uh, my, my next one's a double feature hey uh, by the same director, which I don't know how to say their name, Powell Palakowski. Oh, yeah, Pavel Pavelowski. <laughs> I love that you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that, uh, here's how I actually I, I, think, I think, I think, I think that's... Uh, Polish-born director, yes. but yeah. he uh, is known for two movies. I mean, maybe more, I don't know. But yeah. Ida yeah. is the first, and Cold War is Cold the second. War. And, you know, I just watched Cold War the other night, and it's it's basically the before trilogy, this like romance of this couple, uh, but instead of three movies over thirty years, this is just one movie. And it tracks their yeah. thirty year relationship uh, broken up over different yeah. time periods. Yeah. Uh, but it really yeah. reminded me of that. And there's like that, yeah. like despite the, uh, especially now with the state of the world, the heavy backdrop of what's going on in the world yeah. in this movie, there was a lot of comedy and sweetness along with the intensity and yeah. kind of intense sadness surrounding the characters mm-hmm. and beautifully shot his all both of his both of the movies that i mentioned here are just some of the better yeah, this, movies this, on my list cinematography is insane it's an, it's cold probably war. just worth it for the cinematography um so that that's cold war that it just is kind of that before trilogy compacted beautiful cinematography and then similarly with ida which i think be, came before cold war story of a nun who is on the verge of taking her vows yeah. and kind of that decision and it's it's very just like small personal story um so it's not like a great way for me to hype it up right now plot wise yeah. but the cinematography is just unbelievable especially in ida i feel like um every shot's you know a painting yeah and both movies ida is 82 minutes and mm. cold war mm. is 88 minutes so if you're Love looking it. for a little Polish black and white art house 
uh, impress your date with your movie knowledge double feature, but also maybe bore them a little bit, uh, hit these two bad boys up. I gotta tell you, I saw Cold War in a in a movie theater at our at a matinee showing at of our course local. You did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was like December two thousand eighteen. The matinee showing in our local like multiplex, you know, must have been two thirty in the afternoon. Me and like fifty seniors, I was really the youngest person in that building by twenty years at least. And right, that's how you know you're onto something. It was great. It was fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So good. <laughs> and so. and that is what I that is I do think what I would be what I'm getting at in our conversation from earlier. Like mm. Cold War is not a huge money maker, but there's a huge segment of the population that is going to come out and show up for that. Right. That that was over and over when me and Sarah would go on dates to the tower. And we yes. would just like, we'll just show up and pick a movie because all the movies they show are going to be good. Yeah. But we'll just yeah. pick one. And yeah, there's like 15, 20 like elderly people just enjoying yeah. this random ass movie. But it's just a cool aspect of the movie industry that I, I would be so saddened to lose. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cold War was 2018, and, and like basically a year before the same month, 2017, I was at the same multiplex movie theater seeing Phantom Thread in the middle of the afternoon. Right. And it was me and 50... I mean, it was that was a packed theater, but it was, again, me and 50 seniors. And now Phantom Thread's got a bigger audience being totally. a PTA thing, but, but it's the same thing. People show up for this stuff. Yeah, and Cold War is neither... You know the like insanely intense come and see Russian yeah. war movie. It's no. not, but it's also not you know Tarkovsky art house so uh, no, I, cerebral yeah, I that it, it. that it's that's not palatable. You know, it's just like a yeah. really beautiful small movie that um, yeah, it, it is not going to make a lot of money and also isn't making some massive statement. But it's yep. just a, a really beautiful experience. I, and I love all the folk things. music in it. Yeah. 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 The, you know what? I was watching it, and despite all the things I'm saying about it being art house and, I don't know, maybe slightly less palatable than some of the other movies on the list, mm-hmm. but the pace is blistering in this movie, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it is. It just reckless boom, boom, moves boom. on. Yeah, it's really good. But, yeah, that's my double feature. Great. What's yours? Okay, so my double feature, same director. Uh, similar thing. I, I have one that I'm picking officially for the list, uh, but it's it's two Christopher Guest movies. So the first one is from the year 2000. It is exactly 90 minutes, and it is Best in Show. God, you stole this one from me. I know. I, I, I texted you. I'm like, I want Best in Show. You're like, you already added it. And I'm like, you know what? I already got <laughs> Francis Ha and another movie yeah, that I'm trying yeah. to talk about. So, But Best in Show, my God. <laughs> here's the irony is I often will put a movie on while we're recording. I put on best in show and we have now recorded so long that best in show is over <laughs> because it's, it's only a 90 it's minute short. movie. It's a short, <laughs> it's a short movie. God, it's good. It's though. so funny. It's so brilliant. If you haven't seen best in show, it's one of the best comedies of the last 25 years. I don't know. It's so, it's so good. The other one is the far less known Christopher guest um, movie of the same era. This is 1996's waiting for guffman which is 84 mm, minutes interesting have you ever seen this no but you told me about it this movie is my wife's favorite movie interesting waiting for guffman is megan's favorite movie i think it is stupid hilarious it is so so sharp and just a little bit 
weirder than Best in Show, um, but I love Waiting for Guffman. It is a- an excellent, excellent movie. Yeah. So I, I would check both those out. Um, Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show, really fun, like c- pretty clean comedies um, that are pretty inoffensive, but just like really good at what they are doing. A Christopher Guest triple feature would be fun. With no, this is Spinal Tap is yeah. under ninety minutes as well. Yeah, yeah, Spinal Tap, Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman. That yeah. is a nice weekend right there. Yeah, that is a nice weekend. Yeah, absolutely. But my God, I need to watch Best in Show again. We need to have a um, Parker Posey appreciation episode. We should have a Movies While They Sleep Film Festival. Hell yeah! Yeah, I'm into that. I don't know what, what it would look way. like, but I'm into it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'll start working on the branding now, the branding and the merch. Hey, would you yeah, guys want yeah. merch? I can make some cool merch, but I need to Mitchell's know if the desperate. audience is there. <laughs> Mitchell is desperate to make merch, so please let us know if you'd buy something because he really wants to send something to publication. I just want a Parasite shirt of my own making, I and know. I need an excuse to get them printed. Okay, moving on. This is my one animated feature, and it is famously... And by famously, I mean between me and Matthew on the podcast on my uh, forever top liked movies on my Letterbox profile. It's my favorite Wes Anderson movie. It is the incomparable, fantastic Mr. Fox. Love it. This is one of the best movies <laughs> ever made. <laughs> I'm so sorry, <laughs> it's so good. I, I I truly don't understand how people don't talk about this more often. This movie is clocking in at 87 minutes. Of it's so good. Packed. Packed beauty, packed humor. What I love about it is the packed the star-studded performances, and, and the pace of it so matches the tone of the voice performances, which is like entirely mellow. <laughs> Wes Anderson was born to make this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. I think it's his best movie. I truly do. Uh, no, that's I. Just, I just had this conversation with someone the other day. I think Grand Budapest Hotel is like technically his best, but in my heart, it's this one. <sighs> I can't get over how much I, I love know. this movie. Go watch this if you haven't seen it. I'm sure most of I you know. have. It's too good not to. I can't say enough good things about it, so I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. Um, all right, my last one of my five, and then I've got some honorable mentions all I'm the ho- way back to. Yeah, go ahead. Now, I'm hoping your last one isn't one that I picked, too. I, it's not. Yeah. Um, all the way back to 1940. Is this one you picked? No, not at all. Okay. Not, not <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. An absolute wow. straight up classic. Uh, Howard Hawks directed His Girl Friday. Oh. You've seen oh. this movie? Yeah, you've seen this movie. Okay. Forgot this about movie this one. is 92 minutes, so I cheated a little bit, but this movie is so funny. From start to finish. And it holds so, up funny. And it holds up. Yes. When I, I watched this, I watched this in college. Uh, and I don't have a big memory of it. But then I revisited this a couple of years ago. And I was laughing out loud the entire time. And it's not like, a, it's not even like a bunch of physical comedy, right? It's not like I'm <laughs> laughing out loud at like the physical stuff from I Love Lucy. It's like. Look, Hildy. Hildy. <laughs> <laughs> The, the dialogue is so sharp, so smart. It's, again, to quote myself from earlier about the pace of Cold War, it's blistering. Oh, oh. Um, 
It is so good. Cary Grant is amazing. Rosalind Russell, though, is oh just it's one of my favorite performances in a movie. Um, this is like, like, and this like fits so many fun categories. Like it's my, it's like a great ninety minute movie. It's a great all in one day movie. Um, oh yeah, it's. I I can't, like, I can't. It's like a bottle episode movie. It's like a bottle episode. I cannot describe. Oh, and also it's got one of the worst posters of all time. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's such a crime. Come on, poster <laughs> the, makers. The, I mean, this poster is in is up there with how bad the Citizen Game poster is. They're like, look, of, two actors. <laughs> in terms of this, this does not fit the tone of the movie. There's no tells no. me nothing about the movie. There's nothing about this poster that's good. The Killings uh, poster is rad, by the way. Yes, yes, it is. That that fits into that like 1950s like kind of so fun vast. style. But yeah, that's that yeah. But I love his Girl Friday. I, I recommend this movie to people all the time. It's so funny. God. If I, you know, if I had to take one streaming service or channel with me to a desert island, I would take the Turner Classic Movie yes. channel. <laughs> uh, and I'd have no regrets. Okay. Um, great pick. My last pick. Kind of a sleeper hit. Kind of a, you know, like out of nowhere. I'm hoping most people haven't seen this because it's such a delight. And it's it's my longest one. This one's coming in at ninety two minutes. I apologize, listeners. That's yeah, all right. I went ninety four on one of mine. I'm coming in hot with nineteen eighty fives. Directed by Joyce Chopra or Chopra. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I'm talking about smooth talk. Oh yes. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. Smooth Talk, starring Laura Dern. Laura and Dern. What Treat Williams? Treat, is Treat Williams, who's who's getting his resurgence in uh, We Own This City. David. Oh, he's in We Own the City. Yeah, he's in We Own the City. Yeah. That is so <laughs> random because I just yeah. started watching that. Nope. Oh my gosh. Um, this movie's so weird. <laughs> it's so good. I was not expecting this. Laura Dern, very young Laura Dern. Very young. It, um, I don't know if she's 15 when she played this role, but she plays a 15-year-old. And it, it's like classic, kind of Ladybird-esque, you know, tough mom relationship stuff. Mm-hmm. But growing up as a teenager in the 80s, like chasing boys, getting into trouble, the rebellious teenager... But it turns into like a potential, uh, like very uh, dangerous situation. Well, it, it it almost reminds me of like a cosmic horror movie, mm-hmm. where the 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 antagonist is like the devil embodied. Oh yes, supposedly. No, I, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah, he, he embodies evil in such a way that <laughs> yeah. is so strange and surprising. It's it's pretty scary actually. And comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's not a horror movie at all. It's like like I don't even know what it would compare to, but the last like 20 minutes shift into this like I, a cosmic horror is the best way I can describe it because it feels like most things are like pretty standard movie making and then it just like what is this guy? Yeah. What is this energy? Yeah. It it seems not human. Um, I, I think I saw this because um, Criterion just released mm-hmm. this movie last year as, yeah. you know, they turned it into a Criterion movie. 
And I was like, I've never heard of this. The poster seems kind of cool. I'm just, me and Sarah on a whim watched it one night and I was blown away by it. And really, I, I other than you know Jurassic Park and a couple other r- random movies like Marriage Story and you know whatever, I've not had a rich Laura Dern history. Yeah, she's so good, and she's fantastic um, in this, especially for how young she is. I I just my experience watching it was like it it draws on its its own very specific context of the mid eighties mm-hmm. in. California, right? It's like Northern California suburbs. It's like where we live. Not really. I think they're they're like close to the ocean, so like Bay Area, maybe, or maybe you know, so somewhere Santa Cruz. Uh, yeah, they're gonna go to a big multiplex mall. So so it's got that like, which is not nostalgia in the movie because that's so of its time and era, but it's not nostalgic for me. Mm-hmm. And then, but then it also seems to be looking backwards and drawing from like the 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 the. the insecurities and the anxieties of like 1970s golden age of american serial killer right kind of of stuff like zodiac killer right zodiac is this northern california uh, serial killer like it's it's kind of drawing on those fears and Mm -hmm. then infusing it in this kind of mid-80s materialism consumeristic culture yeah in in and the result is so weird it's so unsettling. There's a shot um, that it's like the camera is on the floor looking at mm-hmm. a screen door, and like yeah. the stairs are leading your eyes to that screen door yes. where you know this guy is showing up. That's the shot I think about when I think about yeah. this movie. Yeah, and she's slowly walking towards him, and you're like, "This is like Texas Chainsaw Massacre." Yeah, this is so scary. My gosh, I I would read a I would read a paper about that house. <laughs> alone i know like it's this like dilapidated house that the mom is like slowly painting there's like a little bit of carrie in there oh yeah the mom daughter relationship there's a lot of just really interesting stuff and i i had never heard of this movie until criterion released it and that's the beauty of criterion yeah literally just shoving quality cinema in your face constantly so this is a dense 90 minute movie yeah that's the other thing i was shocked to see that runtime um, so that is Good capping pick. off our list here. To recap, uh, run through your list, and I'll run through mine. I got Lady Bird. Uh, I've got Gravity, Before Sunset, Best in Show slash Waiting for Guffman, and His Girl Friday. And I've got Francis Ha, Fantastic Mr. Fox, The Killing, a double feature of The Cold War slash Ida, and Smooth Talk. And now we're just going to hit you with some rapid fire, one-off, Honorary mentions. What do you got? All right, let's hear. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna do this one first because this week is the 15th anniversary of the kind of musical uh, Irish movie Once. I I have not seen Once basically since it came out. It came out. I know. I know. 85 minutes, which that's is is almost all music because I and think that's probably Glenn Hansard into yes. a very healthy music career. Yes. Good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Great as far movie. as I remember. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. I've got another don't, note I don't about love that. the movie poster that they're walking on the neck oh, of the guitar. Oh, it's terrible. I think it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of corny. but God-awful. Yeah. Deserves better. I've got another Noah Baumbach, Squid and the Whale, which I think is one of his yeah. first movies that I've ever seen. Clocking in at, let's see. Man, it's, I was surprised that one was so short. Um, 81 minutes. 81 minutes. Oh, yeah, doesn't totally that one doable. feel a lot longer? Maybe yeah, it's The Rage. Yeah, yeah. 
the constant fighting. Yeah. All right. This is one of my favorite documentaries of all time. Uh, it comes in at 85 minutes. The twists and turns in this story in only 85 minutes, and it's all real. 2012. Have you ever seen this? Searching for Sugar Man? No. This movie is insane. I love this movie. Uh, basically, the the story is that... Oh, wait. I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was this kind of like... There was this blues rock and roll guy that basically released one or two albums in the 70s and disappeared except for the fact that he has this giant following in South Africa of all places but he's like he's like from the US from Detroit or something and he has this insane following in South Africa and they um set out to find him basically and and he has he's like totally unaware of his fandom in South Africa and it's it's amazing. I love this movie. Searching for Sugar Man. This is like a sleeper one. I think it won um, the best documentary at the Oscars in 2012. But it is it's one to seek out because it is so much fun. Fifty super million plays on Spotify. He's popular. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, all right. I have a couple uh, animated movies. Okay. One, uh, Fantastic Planet. <laughs> have you seen Fantastic Planet? This is like the weird one, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I this kind of got me into weird movies. Like, I remember watching um, Amoeba Records does this thing called "What's in My Bag," where they ask yeah. celebrities what they bought at their store, and I forget who bought the vinyl for this movie, and I was like, "What the heck?" And so I looked it up and watched it free on YouTube one night, <laughs> and it was just like, my little high school brain was like, "What is this weird?" animation world and it's completely surreal very strange very fun very short very short it's only what 72 minutes yeah um so there's that and then my second one is have you ever heard of the triplets of belleville oh yeah you have yeah yeah, yeah. I've seen have it. you seen it yeah oh it's my god it's fun it is I, I i think i watched it for a college film class yeah as part of my english degree yeah. And I, I was just like, all right, Roger Ebert's review sums it up well. This one paragraph. To call it weird would be a cowardly evasion. It is creepy, eccentric, eerie, flaky, freaky, funky, grotesque, inscrutable, kinky, kooky, magical, oddball, spooky, uncanny, uncouth, and unearthly. Especially uncouth. And then he yes. goes on to say yes. why calling it weird is, is so inappropriate because it's much more than that. I, it's one of the strangest, best-looking, most disturbing-looking animated movies I've ever seen. Or maybe yeah. the most. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's totally out there. It's a weird one. But, hey, yeah. if you've got what? If you've got 80 minutes to kill there and want to appear to be a weirdo by suggesting this to whoever you're watching movies with, go get it. There's an opening scene where Fred Astaire, animated Fred Astaire, is eaten by his tap-dancing shoes yes <laughs> and that's not even the very weirdest like, part of that very sequence like cuphead yeah the animation yeah. style apparently yeah. the guy that worked on this was former disney employee and like oh interesting quit in a fit of rage <laughs> who knows uh i've got i've got like one or two more so i i would recommend a 77 minute movie 2004's primer i'm not sure how anybody would even see this but it's like one of the most 
interesting like time travel movies but it's very low budget and very low kind of special effects i think this is made made for just a couple hundred thousand dollars very very low budget um where like the special effects aspects of, of time travel are basically non-existent and you're just supposed to concede the fact that they've created a time travel device right but then the the mechanics of it and how that narratively plays out is is what the movie is about it's really great really really well done this was a huge deal when it came out in terms of like indie sci-fi stuff yeah um and and like fun it's only 77 minutes and then i was reminded of this because i was looking at under 90 minute lists and i don't even know if i would recommend this yeah and i don't know how anybody would watch this but you and i watched this together um 88 minute punishment park do you remember this movie right this this movie's wild remember this kind of this is living in a weird space in my brain yeah like one of the most kind of weird transgressive 70s movies like definitely in the vein of like texas you know uh, chainsaw massacre this was another one of those amoeba would you would you some random like quest love bought this or something you know yeah yeah and and it's just it's it's a it's like this fictional documentary style like really early version of that of like you know u.s prisons are at capacity and they're taking all basically like political prisoners into this camp in the desert in new mexico or something and saying like if you can get one from one end of the park to the other this desert you know over the course of a couple of days then we'll let you free but if a guard catches you they can kill you right (laughs) i mean i mean it's like the hunger games right like this is like but presented in this entirely serious way that is like in the shadow of all the political unrest and turmoil of the early 70s and it's a it's a weird movie yeah yeah but i don't even I, I, again i don't know how anybody would watch it or i don't know how much i'd recommend it but i saw it on the list of like under 90 minute movies and oh yeah i've seen this yeah you gotta throw that in there yeah. um my last just not even recommendation but if you're wanting a goof on halloween with some friends check out house on criterion <laughs> Japanese film, but also Japanese horror like, film from 1977. Halloween is like a 90 minute movie. True. This is if you're wanting a, an absolute goofy gaff time. Okay. Okay. Great. 88 minutes. House. House. Yeah, I know the poster. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh boy, this one looks weird. I've never seen it. Boy, you gave it five stars, Mitchell. Yeah, but did you see my review. Uh, let's see. But it's kind of an ironic five stars. Yeah, okay, exactly. That sounds right. <laughs> uh, so that's right, what we well, got. Yeah, well, hope hope you can find something to watch. And these uh, hot days of summer coming up, we don't know when our next episode is happening. Truly, truly, I uh, by the time this one comes out, I will pro- we will probably have our second born in in the house. And but. Uh, yeah, we, we we need to figure out a more consistent time to record. We got we both have some new life in the house, which is awesome, yeah. but also tough to one find time to watch movies, two record a podcast, three edit a podcast. But we'll be back. We'll be we'll be back this summer, fairly soon. And uh, in the meantime, check us out oh, on Instagram. Wait, what, Mitchell? I mean, you're, I know I know Sarah's like imminently having a baby, but are you gonna go see Top Gun Maverick this weekend? <laughs> It sucks. There's Top Gun. There's Men. Oh man, yeah. There's uh, we got our we got our IMAX tickets. We're going on Saturday. We got a babysitter for the baby. Damn. Can't wait. Next 
ne- not next week, but our next episode, which hopefully will be out early June, uh, is we're doing a double feature to honor the much-anticipated new Maverick. What's it called? I don't even know what it's called. Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick movie. Tom Cruise. So we will be watching the original Top Gun and the new one, Maverick something. Top uh, Gun Maverick. Doing a little compare and contrast for you guys. So be on the lookout for that. I'm going to post the each of our five uh, under 90 minute movies on Instagram. At movies while they sleep. So you guys can just use that as a reference. So you don't even have to listen to this episode. Hey, and rate and review and let us know if you want merch. Let us know if you want merch. Let us know. Send, send some movie uh, suggestions. Send, yeah, send your 90 minutes or less. Yeah, send us some some ideas for what you guys want to hear this summer. Are, are we mm-hmm. liking the more modern movie uh, episodes? The the Northmans, the Everything Everywheres, or are you guys feeling more of the classic kind of throwback, more maybe accessible movie episodes? We're trying to get a gauge for that. Let us know. Send us an email. Send us a comment. Other than that, good night, y'all. Bye. Lou Allen. <laughs>